0: Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. And on the podcast today, we have director of digital marketing and producer of the Indiana Bible College podcast, Reverend Kevin Brzezinski, preaching a message entitled Seek Great Things. And if you are so inclined as to seek things that pertain to greatness, then you are very interested in what I am about to say. The Online Doctrine Workshop will be premiering from Indiana Bible College on August 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. Follow our social media accounts for more information as that date approaches because you don't want to miss this premium apostolic content. If you're also inclined to seek great things, then you may be interested in our online learning program. Visit IndianaBibleCollege online for more information. Or if you are between the ages of eighteen and twenty-two, or maybe even beyond, and you want to seek greatness on campus, then our application deadline is actually tomorrow, July the sixteenth, two thousand twenty-one. There is still time to apply for that. You can do so at IndianaBibleCollege.org forward slash apply right now. Reverend Kevin Brzezinski. Seek great things.
1: Amen. Isn't God good? Can we give God a hand clap of praise? He's so good to us. He's so good to us. He's so good. I just... It's His goodness. It's His mercy. That's what makes the difference in your life. It's His mercy. You can be seated. I'm so thankful I can take this mask off and be up here. Hallelujah. And I, I'm just, you know, what I'm thankful for today, I'm thankful for a lot. Thankful I got to have a cameo appearance from the Alex Perry in chapel. Thankful for that. But I'm also thankful for Brother Vite. Um, I remember a day where we were living together and we were single men. And I'm looking over here and both of our babies are in chapel. What a blessing! What a blessing. That's a wonderful thing. It's so good to be here with you. I I honor the Galleons. I thank them for their leadership, their vision. Don't you just love the Galleons? Amen. And uh, I will say this before I I go too far. Uh, You know, everybody who put effort into the banquet last night, students, the Galleons put a lot of effort into it. We can just, we should thank your student and your your. The galleons for their leadership and just putting in the extra effort to do that. Amen. Yes, that's appropriate. That's good. I give honor to our president, Pastor Carson. Uh, I miss Elder Brother Rodenbush when he's not here, uh, but I give honor to him. I want to also give honor to Pastor Mooney, to uh, Brother and Sister Rodenbush, who allowed me to be here. They hired me and allowed me and my wife to be here, and I give them honor. I want to thank Brother Kilman. I just want to say publicly thank you for advocating for me behind the scenes. You've done that for years, and I appreciate it. You've helped me so much. Uh, All the staff who are here, you've all poured into me so much. I love you. I honor you. Brother uh, Sleva, you are like my dad in the gospel, so I want to give a special thanks to you always when I can. Brother Henderson, I wish you were up here, but thank you for all you've helped me with. I've grown under your leadership, and I thank you for that. Okay, you guys ready? Should we get into the Word? I asked Brother Inscore, I said, do you want a 35-minute or a 55-minute? He said, 55-minute. So we're going to get a 55-minute sermon. I'm sorry. that's just what you're going to get. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 45, that's where I want to take my text. Jeremiah 45. Jeremiah 45, this is Baruch's very own chapter in the Bible. If you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, that is just fine, you can stand. Why don't we do that? I'm going to read the whole chapter here, so it's a short chapter, hallelujah. Jeremiah 45, verse 1, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch. Thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built I will break down, that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. You can be seated if you'll pray with me. We just need the Lord's help today. We really do. I, I am just a big fan of I can't do anything without the Lord. My ministry, your ministry, we can't do anything without his spirit doing the work. Can we pray, Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the awesome, fun times we've had this week. But Lord, we take your word and your spirit as supremely important. We're here today to exalt your word. We're here today to get a hold of what your spirit has for us. Help us, God. Help this man to decrease. Lord, you take the glory. You take the honor. It's all yours. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Well, I personally would like to have a chapter of the Bible written about me. That would be pretty fun, actually. Uh, the, the chapter of Kevin, that would be nice. The, the trouble here is this whole chapter, this whole 45th chapter dedicated to Baruch is a big, long rebuke. And I don't know how I would feel about that if my only chapter was just God rebuking me. And as I'm reading this, it sounds kind of like some of you guys sometimes. Thou didst say, woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. Brother Brown, I heard a little bit of sorrow from an assignment recently. I heard grief and sorrow. No? True story? I've heard a little bit of grief and sorrow from the masks and all the... the I mean, that's just life, right? It's just life, and we're real people, and that's one reason why I love this Bible. It's just a Bible full of real people. Everything from our man Baruch to the apostles, you see warts, you see mistakes, you see every piece of humanity in this Bible. I appreciate that, and when I read this chapter of Baruch, there's a few things that just stick out to me. Why is God so rough on our man Baruch? He is a good man. And when I say he's a good man, I mean that he is Jeremiah's second-hand man. I can relate to Baruch. I can relate to him. Uh, He's he's the man in the background. He's the man who's writing Jeremiah's prophecies. He's the man who is the faithful help to Jeremiah. And he's a good man. He risks being in the minority position in Judah to be Jeremiah's right-hand man. And I want to just give a little context before I get too deep. But you have to realize the northern tribes were already taken away at this point. The southern tribes are all that's left. And Jeremiah has the audacity to say that the temple's going to be destroyed, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. And not only are the northern kingdoms going to be taken away, but even the southern kingdoms are going to be in captivity. Jeremiah is saying things that the king doesn't like. And Baruch, let's give the man some credit. He takes a position to be in the minority with the man of God. He believes the word. We could say that he's a minister. And I just want to say before I get too deep too, is I'm speaking today. I'm not speaking something that I would try to speak in a hyphen group or a, a youth group or even a, a just saints. I'm speaking to people who are called. I'm speaking to people who have a passion for ministry, you want to do something for God, and the evidence that you want to do something for God is you've sacrificed time, finances, possibly a career. Some of you have sacrificed scholarships to be here. So this is a word uh, that I've had to internalize for me before I'm giving it to you, and this is a word that I wouldn't say to everybody. I'm speaking this to young ministers, okay? I'm, I'm speaking to you as young ministers and adults in the gospel, who have already made sacrifices. I'm gonna give you that because you've done it, okay? But here's the thing with my man Baruch here. He's not only associated with the man of God, he's not only risked some things for the man of God, but if you go to chapter 36, Jeremiah asked Baruch to take a scroll of scripture and take it to the priests and present it to them. And it's a scroll filled with prophecy of destruction. And so Baruch takes that scroll, he gives it to the priest, it makes its way to the king. And the king, what does he do? You know, maybe Baruch, I don't know, maybe he was thinking this is now time for me to be the man in the spotlight. I'm the guy carrying the scroll to uh to the priest. Maybe people are going to write good things about me that I was the man who helped bring revival in Jerusalem. But the king does not repent what the king does is he burns the scroll and what he then does is what it seems to me is probably add baruch to the put in prison list so baruch whatever we want to say about him he was a good man and whatever else we want to say about him he'd been through some difficult things he had probably at this point been running and in exile from the king So when we read in Jeremiah 45, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. This wasn't just like, I didn't get the solo that I wanted. There's bigger problems than that. This wasn't just like, woe is me now, I had to wear a face mask. Woe is me now, I mean, my banquet date, she didn't want to hang out with me at banquet. I hope that didn't happen to any of you guys. I feel like I'm... I just feel like I hit something here now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be. Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. Have you ever felt that way in Bible college? I felt that way a lot in Bible college. Don't want to get too personal. Brother Galleon, he's got, he knows all about it. He could tell you stories. You know, me just setting my heart on one nice lady, gets broken. That doesn't happen anymore, though, in Bible college. Woe is me, woe is me. The Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I'm doing the work of God. I'm here, I'm, I'm sacrificing, I'm trying. And why do things seem to just fall apart? And here's what God says to the man. Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, behold, that which I have built I will break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. Here's what God is saying to Baruch, judgment is coming. There's judgment that's coming, and you're so wrapped up in your own personal agenda, your own motives, your own personal peace, your own personal affluence, your own Preeminence, your own prosperity. And I'm about to I'm about to drop judgment on all of Israel. I'm about to take my covenant people and rip them up from this land. I'm about to destroy the temple where I've put my name. And all you can be is concerned about your own personal. You're throwing a pity party, Baruch? I mean, really? Now, I don't want to get far down this road, but there's such a thing. There's such a thing as spiritual entitlement. There's such a thing as, now we, I don't want to get political, but all of you good people who are raised in very conservative homes, and uh, maybe your parents are against entitlement programs. Like, people shouldn't have handouts. Uh, there's such a thing as spiritual entitlement. I don't want to be spiritually entitled. I don't want to throw a pity party for myself when things get hard. Jeremiah, the man of God, is sitting in prison. And if I'm his servant, maybe I'm going to suffer a little bit too like my master. And seekest thou great things for thyself. That's my title. Seekest thou great things. That's the question. Are you seeking great things? What kind of great things? do you want out of your ministry? What kind of great things are you seeking? You want to be a powerful man of God? You want to be a powerful woman of God? Uh, it's kind of like an <laughs> in intro to ministry. There was a young gentleman who wrote in a paper who said that he wanted to be the most anointed man of his generation. And that's a fair ambition. That's a fair thing to want. But I thought to myself, man, you should just come to class. <laughs> That'd be good. That'd be a good start. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's, It's what it is. Seekest thou great things for thyself. Here's what I want to talk about today. We get ministry so mixed up because my flesh is like your flesh. My flesh is just like your flesh, and I get offended, and my pride gets offended, and your pride gets offended. You know why I know your pride gets offended? Because you're human. And if you think that you're so spiritual that you're over yourself, you're not. Let me meddle for a minute. When I was first getting into Bible college, I was like older. <laughs> Forgive uh, me picking on any older students here, but sometimes you can be the older, awkward student. You don't know how you fit in because you're older. It's just what it is. It's, it is what it is. That's how I felt. Um, and be that as it, as it is. But I was just, Brother sleeva you remember when I was a new convert. You remember when I was first getting into church. I wasn't even in church that long when I came to Bible college. And I was so sincere and on fire. And I just wanted to pray and be spiritual. And I would look at other people. And if I, I was not careful sometimes to look at other people being used and think, man, they're not spiritual. They're, they're from a pastor's home, or they're, they're, they've been in church longer than me, but I see how they are, and they're carnal. And look at them being used. Well, oh, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be for all you people who are spiritual. You better be careful. You pray a lot. I thank God that you pray a lot, but you better be careful that you have a kind of false humility, and you're looking at other people with, down your nose like, I pray more. You don't know what God is doing, but here's one just truth ministry whatever ministry is it is not the triangle we're climbing up to be at the top of that is not what ministry is ministry is not trying if we need to get that conception out of our head that if i'm if i make it to headquarters or if i'm somehow at the top of an organizational chart that means i'm spiritually significant i just i don't see it biblically here's what i see that matters biblically judgment is coming to this world. And what we need to be focused on is not my own anything. We need to be focused on getting people covered in the blood before judgment comes. So old Baruch. Baruch's out there having a pity party and God's about to Send judgment to the whole land. And I don't know how you feel about 2020. I don't know how you feel about prophecy. I'm not a big prophecy buff. But when Brother Bernard, Brother Hanscom, you actually told me about uh, this prophecy that was given uh, by Brother Bernard through another gentleman. I don't know his name. But in Brother Bernard's general conference message, he shared this prophecy that somebody had shared with him. It says this. I'm going to read it all. It says, My son, I will send devastation on the United States, the like of which has never been experienced. The devastation will come with destruction multiplied times over, and the people will tremble. I will do this to bring the nation to its knees. Even the kings of the earth shall be clothed in fear. The entire population of the United States will then know the paths of treachery their leaders have traveled to destroy the faith of so many. My people who are called by my name will be tried severely, but my purpose will be to show myself to be their God even before I come to gather them to me. But the end is not yet. This will take place prior to my return, and I will use this devastation to cause many spiritual prodigals who have turned away from me to return and re consecrate their lives to me and many who have left the love of righteousness and the gospel to realign their principles also i will bring multitudes to know me because at that time there will be a revelation that all men everywhere will know that i am the only lord god so i just want to ask you again today i'm not trying to pick on people who are used When I say, look, people who are, I am so thankful that we have talent and people who are used in public ministry, but you have to be very careful that you don't look at your use in public ministry as a validation of your spiritual life. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, and maybe not. And here's my question. I don't know. I don't know if this prophecy has happened, will happen. I don't know that it's. I don't know the gentleman who gave this prophecy. I can't say whether it's true or false. But what I feel, what I feel, is the end has never been so near. What I feel is that we're drawing closer and closer to His return. And here's something that I know very, very much. It would be a shame for you to spend your Bible college time. I want to tell you, I'm not over this, because I have the flesh with me. I have the flesh with me. But it's it's a shame when we get stuck up in our spirit, when we get twisted up with our brother and sister, when we get our pride offended in some way, and we're mad at God, and we're mad at each other, and all we can think about is, I didn't get the solo, or I didn't get to preach, or they overlooked me here, or... And it twists up your spirit, and you are no longer effective in any kind of ministry that has an eternal impact. Yeah, you might be, be publicly used, but if you're twisted up, you've missed it. You've truly missed it. And I want to commend you. I'm not trying to speak down to you like this isn't something that I deal with, but I want to commend you. During the worship today, I felt such a unity. I did. I felt a unity. I felt like you guys were sincere and connected not just to God but to each other and that's what you are going to need when you get out of Bible college you are going to need friends I call up friends I feel like they're my brother in arms we we fight for each other spiritually we push for each other you want that when you leave you want to have that you need that as a matter of fact this is too hard to fight by yourself now, look, I'm not saying, by the way, that I think that seek great things for yourself, seek them not, that you, okay, God, I want a mediocre ministry. I want a ministry that's only so kind of effective but not very powerful. I want, I want just a decent ministry, not a great ministry. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we misunderstand how we get and what the power of God is all about. I was praying one time. I was praying, just, you know, praying for attributes of God. I was praying, God, I want to be more like you. God, I want more of your mercy. God, I want more of your love. Uh, God, I want more of your power. And as soon as I said, God, I want more of your power, I just felt the spirit be quenched. And I said, God, what? what's the problem? What's going on here? I, Can I not pray, God, I want more of your power? And I just begin to ask God, what did I do wrong? And I just felt like the Holy Ghost revealed to me or or brought that scripture to my mind, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's his power. It's his kingdom. It's his glory. And he's not going to share it with anybody. Now, I understand we can be used And we can steward the power of God. But here's the qualification for the power of God. Biblically, I go to Philippians, and I see in Philippians 3 and 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And what else? In the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Let me just say it like this. I can't be trusted with power if I don't know who he is in suffering. I cannot be trusted with positions of influence if I don't know what it is to suffer with him. Brother Dean, you want to know who he is? You've got to suffer with him. You've got to know him in every facet of what it is to be a minister. And if you want to be trusted with gifts, with power, with anything like that, God's going to take you through a process to know him and be trusted through the process of suffering. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm communicating that, like I know that it's, it's deep. I remember here, I was sitting next to you, Brother Sleva, and Sister Meredith Bowling was in the pulpit, if you remember her, and she said, sometimes we trust in our weakness rather than trust in God's power. And we just looked at each other. We're like, man, that is deep. That is good. I'm not saying that you trust in your weakness, but I am saying that if you want to know him, I think you guys are just so ready for break. You don't want to think about suffering, but I'm just telling you. This is what it looks like practically. It looks like Somebody who got the solo that you wanted and you still have to be a loving, humble friend. It looks like the person who seems to have led you on and then they backed off and you still have to just go be a gentleman. It looks like I am being treated like a servant and a slave and have a good attitude about it. This doesn't have to be some big, crazy persecution. This is like every day mortifying my pride. This is every day saying, Jesus, and I'm going to steal Brother Sleva's line here, this person's treating me like a servant. Thank you for the fellowship of what it feels like to be treated like a servant. Thank you for fellowship with your suffering. So let me ask you this. You want to be like the suffering servant. Where do you think that's going to happen? Where do you think it's going to happen? It's going to happen in the fellowship of his suffering. In a hundred ways, I promise you, in more ways than you know. You're signing up to be in ministry I'm just letting you know what you're getting into. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just telling you this is what ministry is. It's service. It's service, and it's knowing him and mortifying your pride. And if you have any doubt about it, God will help you. Let's move on. I want to put, if you would put that picture up on the screen, Brother Sheldon, this is a picture of Jerusalem in its grandeur. And you can't see it super well, but you can see the temple here. And in the foreground, you have Jesus coming down to the temple. And this would be something like what Jesus or anybody coming into uh, Jerusalem at that time would see. Uh, And there's smoke rising from sacrifices there on the altar. And it's just a beautiful scene. Jerusalem in its grandeur. And it is beautiful. But this is what Jesus might have been seeing as he's standing over Jerusalem, and he says things like, if you knew the time of your visitation, if you knew the time of your visitation, I would gather you like a a hen gathers her chicks, but you missed it. You, You missed it. You were so into something else. You were oblivious to my visitation. And what would happen in 70 AD, just roughly 40 years after this, the temple would be destroyed. The walls would be knocked down. The whole city would be destroyed by the Romans. And people were oblivious to the real stuff. Now, how do I know that people were oblivious to the real stuff? I'm not just talking about the Pharisees, by the way. I'm talking about the disciples. I'm talking about the people who had been taught by Jesus for three years. They were oblivious, just like I'm oblivious often. Just like if you're in the flesh... You're oblivious, often. So let me, let me. they're walking down. this, Like this, the last time Jesus walks into Jerusalem under his own power, this might be the scene that he sees. And they have the Passover meal. And if you know what that Passover meal is all about, of course it goes back to the Old Testament. And what it's about is something has to die, blood is applied to the doorposts, and judgment passes over because death has already visited that house. The blood has already been applied to the doors, but something had to die. So the Last Supper, we call it the Last Supper. It should be called the Last Passover because every Passover to that point was pointing to the work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is sitting with his disciples at the Last Passover, communicating to them, I am going to be the Passover lamb. That's what I'm going to be for you. You want to know what ministry looks like? I am showing you what submission to the will of God for me is. It's complete submission even unto death. Emptying myself to the death of the cross. That's the lesson he's teaching. And you know what the disciples are doing because the disciples are as oblivious as you and I? They start fighting about who will be the greatest. That's what they do. Jesus is trying to communicate to them, this is what I have come to do is empty myself for you, to be the lamb, to keep you from judgment. And they're looking at who's the greatest, who's going to be the most prominent person in, in Jerusalem or whatever they see as success. Can I just say something right now? You don't know what success looks like in your ministry you have no clue. You really don't. You don't even know what the world is going to look like in 10 years. You're fighting for stages that may not be there. You don't know what the world is going to be in 10 years, five years. You can fight each other and think success looks like one thing. And God is saying, you don't know what I'm going to do at the church. We might be house to house before this is over. You might need to learn how to pray people through rather than just get in a crowd and sing. I'm not picking on singers. It's not about you and me. It's about how am I gonna be obedient to the will of God. I I promise. I promise. I'm not trying to be heavy just to be heavy, but I feel strongly the Lord gave me this to tell somebody. We could be closer to judgment than you think. So you need to stop being tied up in your spirit about things that don't matter. You just got to let things go. You got to love people. Look, let me put it like this. I used to read the epistles of John and think, "Man, this is kid stuff." First John, Second John like, "Little children, if you if you love God, you're of me. If you if you don't have love, you're not of God." I'm like, "Man, that's so simple." That's so basic. Like, give me some deep stuff, maybe. I didn't love the epistles of John, but the more I look, let me just share this with you. The Passover meal, the disciples are fighting about who's gonna be greatest, who's gonna be most prominent. And Jesus, right after that moment, girds himself and washes their feet and says, this is an example. This is my example for you. If I, being your master, have done this for you, ought ye not to wash one another's feet? That doesn't seem very profound. That's extremely profound. So here's what I want to say today, and I'm almost done. It's, if I'm not careful, what I will do as a minister is seek great things for myself and try to be spiritual on the side and try to be magnanimous and serve people, but never go through the process of being a living sacrifice. Let me ask you this. How are people going to see Jesus Christ? Brother Sleva, how are we going to see him? Brother Sleva discipled me, and you know what Brother Sleva did for me? He showed me. He didn't just tell me. He showed me what it is to be a Christian. He showed me. How are people going to see who we are? It will take somebody to show them. And let me, let me, give me I don't think I'm communicating this well, but here's how this looks. If he's the suffering servant, how come you're full of pride? That can't happen. I'm not accusing you, I'm just saying, if he's the suffering servant, maybe I'm gonna need to suffer. If his blood, I'm not saying your blood redeems people, don't mistake me, but what I am saying is that You may need to show what a suffering servant looks like for some people to get it. And that happens when you're cut and when you bleed and when you do what Jesus did and you don't revile. You want great things in your ministry. Here is what great things looks like. I want you to preach great. I do. I want you to sing great. I do. But I want you to forgive each other greatly. I want you to be servants to each other greatly. Look, I was talking to Brother Rodenbush not long ago. He was very complimentary to me, said some nice things. I said, Brother Rodenbush, I got to be honest. I'm just trying to keep my spirit right. Sometimes it's hard enough for you just to keep your spirit right. That's a great work. You want great things in your ministry? Forgive people. Keep your spirit right. Don't get twisted up in your emotions. Don't get bitter. Don't fight one another. It's not complicated, but it's deep. I'm going to share this last illustration with you and the musicians. You're welcome to come. Maybe this picture will help you. I was in chapel back when it was in the other chapel and I was praying about my ministry and what that looked like or didn't look like. And I just caught this picture of a stairway, like against a blue, bright sky, white clouds. And the stairway was just going up and up and up into the clouds. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's the ministry I want right there. I'm not saying this was a vision. This is just a picture I had in my head. Okay. I said, yeah, that's the ministry I want, this stairway that's just going up and up and up into the clouds. And I got closer to that stairway and I found uh, it looked a little unsturdy. And then I looked at it, it was lined with gold, but the gold was all this thin paper gold. And it just felt wrong. It just felt this was not the right thing for my ministry. This is the wrong conception of how this works. And I had this other picture in my mind's eye just stairways just like this that went down a few steps into this dark alley light light far down and tall buildings on each side and it was just a cobblestone road rough road in the shade kind of damp not very appealing but I just felt like this peace when that, that picture came into my mind like that's it that's the road you're supposed to walk So what I'm trying to say to somebody is, let's get a right conception of what ministry is. Let's get a right conception. You want great things? Jesus showed us what great things looks like. It's being humble and still being a Christian when you're treated terribly. It's loving one another. It's doing the the fundamental things. Just because you're in Bible college and you're brilliant That's all the more temptation for you to get puffed up and not do the fundamental things. So I I don't really know how to end this, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. And I just ask you to respond to the Lord as you see fit. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm just, if you're not there yet, you will get there. You will get there. You will have to mortify your flesh again and again and again because that's how you will be trusted with His power. God doesn't give good gifts to people He can't trust. You'll wreck your life. You will wreck your life. You need to learn how to endure hardness. You need to learn how to endure things. And look, guys, the end. I don't know how much time we have, I don't want to be petty. I want to get on the mission. I want to get focused. God, you use me however you want to use me. You can put me on a shelf for 10 years after Bible college if that's what you want to do. Because my ministry is just to serve. Well, Joe over here, he's got five offers coming out of Bible college. I must not be much of a minister. Don't disqualify yourself. You don't know what God's plan for you is. Well, I can't speak like so-and-so. I can't sing. We may meet a day where the most important thing about your ministry is you just know God and you know how to get a hold of God in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. I feel your spirit here. I give you glory for who you are. We're not... In the ministry for glory, yours is the glory. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. We're not seeking great things for ourselves, God. We're not seeking great things for ourselves in this world. We want what you call great. God, teach us how to have great sacrifice. Teach me how to have not fake humility, but an actual submission to your will. Teach me how to have the fellowship of being mistreated just like you were. could come sing that song. I think that's appropriate. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it looks like, I want to be great in my love for my God and for my brother and sister. If I can't love my brother who I have seen, I've missed it. That's a simple thing, brother. No, that's a deep, deep, deep thing. That's a deep thing. And if you don't get it, your ministry will fly high and fall fast. You gotta love. The gifts operate in love. Without love, we don't make it. If someone would just lift your hands, I don't know how you wanna respond. You're welcome to come to the front. You're welcome to stay, but God, we need you. It's not in my flesh to do what this takes. Your spirit has to do the work of mortifying my pride and getting me where I need to be. I can't do it in my flesh. I can't do it with the will. I need you, God, to help me, to give me grace, to give me grace, to seek the real and the true and to let go of the petty and to let go of the